I'll do. Literally, give me two minutes of your time, then I'm out with a boy in the snow, vlogging, probably, or hopefully, a real insight into Charles Salvador's, also known as Charles Bronson's, public parole hearing. Yeah? So, observations from my friend. He's rocking. I don't mean rocking to music, I mean rocking in a bad way. Showing signs of anxiety. Yeah? He's tapping. Deep breathing, or she believes deep breathing exercises, trying to manage anxiety. It's his parole hearing. He's been inside almost 50 years. This is his chance of freedom. There's 10 people in a small room, some on laptops. Yeah, it's his chance to freedom. Displaying all the signs of trauma, PTSD, complex PTSD. Yeah, and here's a little bit I forgot in the vlog. I believe it was probation. Yeah, Claude come into context when you follow the vlog, put to him, he has a little tipple, Charlie, a little bet, a little gamble. Now, no gambling or playing cards or whatever, you know, was not allowed in prison anyway. However, he's been having a tipple, yeah? So they put to him, he's a gambler and he's breaking prison rules because apparently in 2020, there was a new prison rule, yeah? And they're putting that to him because he's a bad man. He's been gambling, yeah? That has been breaking this rule. So he says, I've been inside 40, 50 years there or thereabouts. If a new rule comes out and I'm allowed to carry on doing something and don't know about that rule, how can you hold me in account? He turned to a prison officer because there's prison officers in this room, obviously, and said, did you know about that rule? The prison officer said, no, Charlie. Yeah. Into the vlog. I'll do. How we doing, Stephen? Come on then, kidder. Here we go. Come on, lad. No mic today, guys. I think my mic's given up the ghost. But as a Yorkshireman, having spent 12 quid, and it's done me two years of vlogging, then I can't complain, can I? What we're saying, lad? Eh? Can we complain? No, we can't. So today's vlog, guys. Charlie. So, a very good friend of mine. I'll give you some context after I've thanked everyone. Thanks for the continuous support, positive comments, um, and support for guests especially. I really appreciate that. I will have a little um, Mental Health Monday this week. Tomorrow night, Sunday night, uh, I'll be interviewing a lovely lady. Uh, manic depression. Bipolar as it's now called. Prison, forensic units and the like. Yeah, but today we're going to talk about Charlie Bronson. I'm not rehashing old content. So let me give some context. Very good friend of mine applied and attended Charlie's parole hearing. I have no idea uh, how she went about that. So those of you who don't know, Charlie's parole hearing, last Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Friday was private. Yeah, not for public. She attended Monday and Wednesday. Um, I'll give you a bit of context on this lovely lady first. Um, she suffered childhood trauma of the worst kind. She was raped and abused as a kid by her own father. To further add to her trauma as a young child, she was introduced to Cromwell Street and Fred and Rosemary West. Those that don't know who Fred and Rosemary West are horrendous serial killers. You know, raper raping, torturing kids, uh, including their own kids. P 
pimping kids out and the like. So she has come from a trauma background. Um, she's a young lady. We never discussed lady's age. She is, however, deaf and has two hearing aids. So she has got golden ticket, as it were, for her. The reason she wanted to attend Charlie's parole hearing. She read an article on him and she was intrigued, like a lot of people are. She looked into it more and she eventually started writing to him. This isn't some young schoolgirl all starry-eyed. She made it quite clear from the start to Charlie. Uh, his story had interest her. She told him a little bit about her background. Told him, you know, there was no, no marriage proposals or anything like that on the card. She is an amazing human being. And she doesn't like injustice. Hence why she started writing, so the parole hearing. Let me set the scene first, guys. Amazing up here today. Beautiful, crisp and clear. Like I said, no mic. So I hope this comes across and you can hear what I'm saying. She entered a court. So she went into court. Charlie is in prison. It's a video link to the court. So three parole board members. This is at Charlie's end. Yeah, three parole board members, two... Older gentleman and one young lady. The young lady uh, commanded a presence. Um, domineering is too strong, but she carried herself well. There was something about her. Charlie was there, maybe four or five officers in the room. Um, how the pro parole board or this parole board operated, obviously people would come in, uh, witnesses, uh, Charlie's offender manager, Charlie's personal officer, uh, the prison psychologist and other people, yeah. Um, at my friend's Marie's end, the lovely Marie. So there's about three rows of chairs. No, there was three rows of chairs, not about. About 45 places at the back of the court. She was seated there. Being deaf, the proceedings started and she couldn't hear anything. She asked the court ushers if she might move to the front. At the front was the press. There was two big TVs. Press were in front of the TVs. Then the public behind them. They obliged and she was sat down next to press members. So now you've got an idea of the scene. So day one, day one. Yeah. Charlie, Salvador... Also known as Charlie Bronson's parole hearing. It didn't go well for Charlie. She said questions were repeated. She believes it was done purposefully to get an unbiased sort of reply to them. Like, are you having a good day, Charlie? Yes, I'm having a good day. Are you having a bad day, Charlie? No, I'm all right, thank you. I'm having a good day, that sort of thing. But obviously it gets more complicated. Day one was the prison psychologist. Now the prison psychologist from the off, I've met prison psychologists and I will say this, for me, a lot of people, civilians, professionals within the prison service, um, they, they become part of that system. I.e., if you cut them down the middle of their torso, they'd have HM 
HPS, HM Prison Service, a Majesty's Prison Service running through them. For my friend, Marie, the psychologist was very biased. Um, the outcome of the psychologist, the prison psychologist bit was she wanted him to stay in and she wanted the prison service to do work with him. This is a guy who has probably done 50 years inside. He's 70. He's getting on now. What work would you do with someone? Yeah, he spent most of that time in solitary confinement, isolated. It was actually mentioned or somebody mentioned him actually being in a parole room with 10 people was probably the most people he has associated with since being locked up. Not forgetting he has been a difficult prisoner. Yeah. So people might say to me when I said release him, how's he going to manage if he's only ever been with them 10 people? So the reason I would release him to his family is because no one who spent that length of time in prison is going to know how to manage on the out. They're going to need support and help. Yeah, but his family are the people who could deliver that. What are you going to do with him in prison? For me, somewhere, somebody probably hopes that he stays in prison, he don't get released, and he dies in prison. Because you're not going to do anything with him. How, what, what exactly would you do with someone? So that was the prison psychologist. Obviously, there's a lot of questions, you know, reports. They are questioned by the parole board, these people. They are challenged on their integrity. They're challenged on their reasoning. She was quite impressed with the parole board. The two older gentlemen seemed very fair and they were sitting back taking things on board. She said something that was very distracting. It's going to be a longer one, this, guys, but it is a great insight. Something that was very distracting was the amount of laptops in the room, people on laptops. You know, for me, there's no need for that. If you know what you're talking about, you don't need no laptop. Anyway, more to the point. She said the young lady asked a lot of questions as well, and they were asked in a sort of semi-aggressive manner. The reason she said it wasn't a good day for Charlie is because he lost his rag a few times. Yeah, the sort of things they were bringing up, the questions they were asking, but you know, losing your rag doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting out of prison. You know, just to put a little twist on this, because I've had a lot of messages for people, and I spoke to people who've been in the prison service a long time, and dealt with Charles Bronson, the prison service, and he talked about this during the 70s and 80s, was fucking brutal, fucking brutal. Yeah? A lot of violence, a lot of racism towards prisoners' ethnic background. Beatings, people got beat, yeah? Not everyone's a Charlie Bronson can fight back and he'll have had beating after beating after beating. Something she said was deeply disturbing and she said because she was placed at the front of the courtroom, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't stop herself in an emotional outburst and she found herself crying. But there was nobody to see her crying. So she managed to box that off because that's what people with trauma do in life. You know, they have an outpouring of emotion. He described being naked in a body belt, in a cell, with a broken nose and, you know, other injuries. Left shivering cold on the floor. Again, yeah, Charlie has assaulted people, he's taken hostages. The art teacher at Hull, where he got lifed off, he said he did regret that incident. 
The prison governor he took hostage, he said no he didn't, the governor was a bastard, he was a horrible bastard, I don't regret that. So he was, for her, he was very honest in some of the things he said. Outpouring of emotion. I did actually make a few notes for this because her insight was amazing and I didn't want to forget things. We'll come to Wednesday in a minute. Wednesday was his psychologist, shall we call her, yeah, and again, she will be questioned about things. So a couple of things here, I've set the scene. Okay, a couple of things that were brought up in order she believes to be used against Charlie. Somebody, um, Charlie used a few choice words describing him, sent him a doll with a cannabis plant in it, a small doll or effigy and it had some cannabis in it, a cannabis plant, whatever that was. So that was brought up, somebody said, you know, you were having drugs sent in. He explained he was totally and always had been anti-drugs. If some numpty was going to send him drugs, then he couldn't do anything about that. If the prison service, you know, allowed them drugs to get through to him in a doll, an effigy or whatever, then that wasn't his fault. Something else that was brought up. <laughs> Again, th there is a sad tone to this. But I think you'll see where we're going and how my friend described it was used. Talked about him getting his meat and two veg out. Yeah, his willy, his dick, his tail, his knob, whatever you want to call it. And it's taken out of context. For her, the way it was used, because he did take it out, his dick, willy, knob, whatever. It was used out of context, suggesting he was a nonce a sex offender, or there was something along them lines going on. He pointed out that he got his dick willing knob out to his girlfriend at the time, and nobody else, it was for her, yeah? So then someone pipes up, well where is she now? Why is she not here? Why is she not a witness for you? Charlie very bluntly said she's dead, yeah? She was my girlfriend then, she later became a wife, and she's died. She's dead. Yeah? End of. He was very blunt about it, which kind of silenced the person that brought up the sex offender type issue or in insinuation. So we'll go to Wednesday. His psychologist, one of the first things she got challenged on Let's just watch the boy a little. You that uh, are fans. So you got challenged on his name, Salvador Dali. Yeah. It's reported he changed his name to Salvador. Not Salvador. Yeah, Salvador. Charles Salvador. Because of Charles Salvador Dali. This was then, you know, questioned. Charlie himself says, <laughs> all right. Sit down. Go on then. Good lad. Charlie himself said he changed his name to Salvador because it means man of peace. Man of peace. And she sort of said what like Charles, I mean Salvador Dali. Sorry, I'm getting a bit confused there, but I'm wanting to portray it. The point is, it's to discredit people. They were trying to discredit her saying, you said Salvador Dali. That's why he changed his name. He says, man of peace. You know, he's full of shit. 
Anyway, she conducted herself very well. Incidentally, on Wednesday, the young woman on the parole board, she was reported as coming back with a different line of questioning. Almost like I said this, not my friend, but she agreed, good cop, bad cop. You know, one of them's like, coming out like, it's and the other's angry and, yeah. So they're trying to catch you out. They're trying to get him for being drugs. They're trying to get him for being a non-sex offender or whatever. All these things are brought up. For me, a parole hearing bringing up about a little doll, an effigy, is pathetic and fucking embarrassing. Anyway, I've already said my friend was sat next to the press at the front. So she had a conversation with the press. Um, again, to give some context, I believe she said, Channel 5, the guy seemed really decent, or woman, I'm not sure which it was, and gave a very good, well, he was a reasonable man. There was no bias there. She spoke to someone from the <coughs> BBC, no shit, who, when she asked about Charlie Bronson and whether he should get out, almost bit her face off. Slavering, spitting in her face, she said. She said, she said to this guy, listen, I'm just having my lunch, you know, um, I didn't mean to offend you, perhaps we can have this conversation later. And he says, yeah, no problem, he changed like that. The press were very biased, other than Channel 5, and she mentioned one other, I can't remember who, who gave a good account of themselves. So, biased reporting, people trying to catch him out for what is pathetic, embarrassing things for me. Um, so now let's get to the nitty gritty. For me, giving you my opinion, if they're gonna let him out, he needs to go to his family with whatever support is needed, whatever terms and conditions, tagged, house curfew, whatever, yeah? That's what they need to do with him. Um, before I give her view, it's worth mentioning art. He talked about his art, um, pictures for charity. He presented three pictures. She said she would love to see them to the parole board. Three pictures presented to the parole board. Whether anyone gets to see them ever saying, this is me, you know, this is Charlie Bronson, this is Charles Salvador. He did talk about the dark times. And we have to remember again, the prison service was brutal. Anyone who can't accept that, you know, there's plenty of people out there who lived through that, and they've told me it was brutal. Would they come on camera? Would they fuck? Yeah? There's some really amazing people I worked for, with, who have retired, yeah? In the last 15 years, they tell me stories and ask me not to repeat them. They're fearful of a backlash 15 years after retiring from the service. Brutal, brutal regime in prison yeah so he suffered that you know we have to take some responsibility for some of the people we create within the prison system i saw some of that dark times people from them dark times come on then stevie come on there were some unpleasant people they were also lads and lasses who come from them times who might not have been the most professional officers with integrity during them times, but changed, changed with a regime. Now I'm not the person to say if someone spent their first 10 years in the 80s beating the shit out of prisoners and then spent another 20 years doing some good stuff, whether they're forgiven or whatever. 
But let me tell you now, if all the good people in the prison service who were afraid to stand up and be counted, and I've been there and it's not nice, if they all left, it would have been a truly horrible place because I met hundreds of amazing people. Lads and lasses who did a fantastic job. Lads and lasses who wouldn't beat people, wouldn't bully people, would do the best. People had empathy. Yeah? But it doesn't hide the fact that it was a brutal system. So, her thoughts. The chances of him stopping where he is now, in the high security estate, or at that particular prison, Woodhill, I believe he's at, a small or small to medium chance of him stopping there. There was calls for him to be moved. The parole board, I believe, were calling for him to be moved. The parole board have no say where somebody goes. Keeping him within the high security estate in segregation, solitary type conditions is gonna do nothing. I don't believe you could do anything with him. Now, I perhaps should have mentioned this at the beginning. The things she did observe. In fact, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to finish off now, and you'll have already heard my thoughts on that. Okay, slightly longer content today. I've got a cracking interview I will be posting tomorrow. There will be the second part of the interview Wednesday and Monday, Mental Health Mondays. I'm going to start doing lives very soon. I'm going to have guests. I'm going to talk all things mental health, prison, because they run round in hand, the criminal justice system and the like, it just creates problems. Stephen? Nah then kid, thanks for coming, I'll see you.